from a branding standpoint, it's like with Tidy Dad, when they see the name Tidy Dad, they just pause for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But they also are clear, it's like, okay, I'm coming to this dad probably for something tidying and organizing, but it's from a male perspective. Yeah. So let me just see, what is this all about? <laughs> They're very curious, I bet. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tyler, actually, we were going to start with other questions, but I just want to dive into this because I'm guessing one of the top questions you get asked then is, how do I get my spouse, my husband, my partner, how do I get them to help more with the tidying and cleaning and kids and all that kind of stuff? Welcome to the Minimal Mom Podcast. Dawn has become well known for her practical approach to decluttering and simple living. Today, Dawn is joined by Tyler from The Tidy Dad. Tyler shares tips for establishing systems and routines for tidying, organizing, and cleaning. You can find him on Instagram as the Tidy Dad and at thetidydad.com. I feel like the number one thing that I always talk to people about is communication. It has to start very early. And I often get messages from people who they're like, I've been married for 30 years. Yeah. My husband won't do this. He won't do this. I don't feel like he's pulling his weight. Mm -hmm. And either fortunately or unfortunately, the fortunate part is there's always an opportunity. There's always an opportunity for some sort of change. Yeah. But the unfortunate part is that sometimes a lot of people let a significant amount of time pass mm -hmm. without actually having the conversation with one another. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with my wife and I, it started very early. I mean, we got married very young. We were out of college. We moved from basically like our dorm rooms into our first apartment. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of our roles within the home, I was a teacher. My wife was in grad school full time. As a teacher, we weren't make, I wasn't making really any money. So mm -hmm. we had to think about how are we gonna scrimp and save and work together, not only to meet our financial goals, but also our goals sort of as a family and sure. what we want. And so mm -hmm. we had to learn very early on, how do, can we rely on one another mm -hmm. to support one another? And whether yeah. that, can you do the laundry or can you handle grocery shopping this week? Or can you clean? And my first few years of teaching, it was incredibly stressful. Those first few years are really hard. Sure. And so I looked forward to my like Saturday marathon cleaning sessions because okay. before kids, that was like the way that I could process everything that had happened during the week. Sure. Yeah. If, you know, my first salary was $30,000. So we had to coupon. We were, my wife became a master couponer. Mm -hmm. and so for her, you know, taking on grocery shopping and figuring out how are we going to go to the different stores? How are we going to have deals? How are we going to shop the sales? Like we each sort of approach this relationship together as a partnership. Mm -hmm. And it started from that communication of us thinking about what is the time that we have available? What are all of the different roles that we have to play yeah. with at home? What's all the work that needs to be done? And that sort of mindset we've had to evolve because obviously we went from being in grad school and trading mm -hmm. off both working outside of the home and having two incomes. And then we switched to, we added our first daughter, then our second daughter, then our third daughter, then the world shut down and we were in the yeah. pandemic and I was working from home remotely. Now we're all back. So each season of life has looked yeah. different, but the foundation of that is communication. And I feel like there's so many mm -hmm. resentments that are built up on the part of mm -hmm spouses or roommates or yeah. even just single parents with their kids of all ages mm -hmm. that there are these things sure. of, I am carrying all of this load 
And I feel like oftentimes people don't sit down and have the conversations around what can we do to make laundry a little bit better? What can we do to make mealtimes less stressful? I am so overwhelmed with all of the lawn work that I have to do. Is there anything that we can do to simplify it? And so I feel like communication is really the foundation of all of that. Yeah. Add not unfortunately with social media it's pervasive to just go and complain about your spouse online and find that group of people who are like, Oh, I totally identify with you. You get validation there for sure. He's a slob. He does nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, I do everything. Mm -hmm. And those are often the messages that I get. And then people are Mm -hmm. like, so what do I do? And I always have to turn it back. And I say, you've got to ask those questions or you've got to have that Mm -hmm. conversation of the person that you live with. Um, Well, Tyler, can I, I don't want to interrupt you. I was just reading a new study though that said, I'll link to it because I'm not going to quote it exactly, but it was two thirds of women feel overwhelmed and stressed out managing their homes. However, they don't voice it because 50% of those same women feel like it won't change anything or they feel like they should be able to do it all. Yeah. And so I know for myself now what I've learned is that it has to be an ongoing conversation. I would like to think that I could say, you know, well, first I'd like to think I wouldn't have to say anything that my husband can just see the stress that I'm under, (laughs) right? Like, come on, man, do not even have eyes to see what's going on in our household, right? But then I felt like then when I do bring it up, then I have to bring it up again and again, and not in a nagging way, but we fear being nags, right? Mm -hmm. Like, but like we have to circle back to it or it's like, oh, now the kids are in a new activity that changed our whole system. Now we're in a new season. Now we have to adjust things again. It's exhausting. And often we don't know that the other person's going to be receptive. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, speaking on behalf of women that it's been interesting because I've had several messages lately of women who are criticized by other women in their lives, like their mother-in-laws saying, you're actually asking my son to do too much. I actually think that you should be doing all of this. And so there are so many different, if, even if you take out the relational issues that sometimes happen and within a relationship, nothing is ever balanced. 50, 50 is not the goal. The honest goal is being able to check in with your partner at any given point of time and saying, this is what I really need right now or this season Mm -hmm. is really hard for me, or I'm about to go into the next two to three weeks of work where I just feel like I'm not going to be able to be as present right now. Or Mm -hmm. the mom saying, I'm super overwhelmed with the two kids at home right now. And I feel like I'm just struggling to get it all done. I need help. And so having that supportive partner, like that's what you're looking for. You're looking for someone who without needing something to be delegated to them or to be told to be able to just sort of step in and recognize what's going on. But people also have to voice when there's that criticism that comes from external people and say, you know what? (laughs) That's not a very helpful comment right now. Yeah. You know, and we, we go through it all the time with me on social media, sharing the things that I do. And, you know, As people on social media, we share a very small percentage of our day. We are not Mm -hmm. live streaming. Thank goodness. We're not live streaming from our homes 24-7. And so there are different things that we choose to broadcast and things that we don't. And one of the number one questions that I get is, why isn't your wife cleaning? They're like, Mm -hmm. teacher, 
You're a dad. You seem to get up really early in the mornings. You're making everybody breakfast. Then you have to walk the kids to school. You have to teach all day. You have to walk them back home. And then I also see you cooking dinner. Like what, what does your wife do? Yep. <laughs> I, my response. So there's the, there's the kind response. That's like, we balance things. We have conversations. We check in with one another, but then the unfiltered response is sometimes I just want to say, don't you understand that we have three children and the largest yeah. amount of stuff that had to get done? Like yeah. one of us is always doing something in the service of our family. Mm-hmm. My wife yeah. is not off just having choice time every waking hour, just like I'm not <laughs> choice time right. with each other. And it's if you want to have that perception about us, that's on you. And I'm happy yeah. to lean into the conversation going back to tidy dad. Like that is... Mm-hmm it's one of the cool things about the platform and being able to use my voice is being able to hopefully put cracks into some of those societal standards that exist because I think about my daughters often and Mm -hmm. them 15 years from now, 20 years from now to not be in the situation where all of these societal sort of rules and norms and stereotypes about how women should act within the home yeah. hope that those change, that whatever they want to do in their lives, if they want to be stay-at-home moms, if they want to be businesswomen, if they want yeah. to travel the world, like I want them to have choice and I want yes. them to not feel the brunt of what so many women feel and what so many mm-hmm. men feel, but don't name that they're feeling yeah. it, which is mm-hmm. this shame that comes from all of these different societal pressures that are put on yes. people around home mm-hmm. and space and their vocations. Yeah, I think that's so good. And I think too, kind of circling back to having the conversation with your spouse or your partner would be to plan a time where you can have, I just heard the statistic. It said that that if you are like running your household with someone else, that you should plan up to 90 minutes a week for just planning, just who's doing, are you doing this? Am I doing this? This, these bills need to be paid. How are we going to come up with the budget for this? 90 minutes a week. So I know most of us aren't doing that, but that we, that we start to get into this habit, even if we're doing 30 minutes a week to start. And this is where we voice our grievances, right? It's not when I'm making breakfast on Wednesday morning or when I have to go get the kids or pick up the grocery order and that it it starts to be a little more contained and predictable. And so maybe every Sunday night when you do it, it turns into, you know, like hopefully it's not, (laughs) but but at least it's contained. (laughs) That idea of being proactive as opposed to reactive. And I feel like that reactive place is what causes so much stress and things can just build up. And my wife and I, you know, we go through seasons where we're better at having that check-in versus Mm -hmm. not. And I feel like there are times where obviously with three little girls at home, like there's, there's always sort of that noise and we're always interrupted. Mm -hmm. So we've had to figure out what are the different pockets of time to have the conversations. And sometimes it's when I'm on prep at school and I can send the, the quick texts of like, Hey, I'm handling this. Do you have this? Or the chance that it's like, at least there it's somewhat quiet, but it is, Mm -hmm. it all, it all goes back to that communication and it all goes back to choosing I feel like that partner, that like life partner that's going to go through thick and thin with you. And I feel like it's just important conversations to have with people, especially as you're navigating all these different seasons, because each season looks so different. So different. Yeah. 
So tell us then, how did Tidy Dad come about? Yeah, so we started Tidy Dad four years ago. Um, it was around the time when Marie Kondo's show premiered on Netflix. So there was the show mm -hmm. Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. Yep. All of the mom boards and parenting boards in New York City were going wild over the show. But the yep. number one criticism was people were like, this does not seem real for families. Like I don't, yeah. I, I love the philosophies. I love the principles, mm -hmm. but I don't see how this is practical. And so yeah. for us, the year before we had actually tidied our physical space, we had always been sort of like tidy and organized people, but there's nothing like one living in a small space, but two, the blessing of that second child to enter your life that sort of just <laughs> throws everything into chaos. With the first child, you're like, I am, I have got this down. Yeah. You can tag team. <laughs> yeah. Tag team. And then the second child comes and you're like, wait a second, the strategies that I use for the first one aren't working for the second one. Plus now there's all of the like hand-me-down clothes. Plus we have a two-year-old and a newborn. Plus mm -hmm. the one child isn't sleeping, but we think we need to move that one into a toddler bed. So it basically just sort of threw our yeah. life into a sort of like tailspin. And it was mainly because mm -hmm. we were exhausted. We were trying to maintain some semblance of normalcy, but also we were trying to figure out, are we going to make New York City our home? Like, is this small mm -hmm. apartment going to be sustainable? So we spent the year prior to her show coming out, tidying our home, setting up systems. We switched bedrooms with the girls. We gave them the larger bedroom. We took the smaller bedroom. We figured out how to adapt our spaces. We figured out how to repurpose like our kitchen pantry, turning it into a toy rotation. We figured out what to do with our kitchen table because our kitchen was so small that we all couldn't sit at it with a high chair and you could yeah. walk past. So we had to modify and rearrange <laughs> our living room. But basically hearing the criticisms from people about Marie Kondo's philosophy and this isn't practical, we were like, wait a second, we did this. We don't mm. have all of the perfect strategies, but yet could yeah. we just share our own personal experience of what we're going through, what things yeah. are working. And so I, you know, as a teacher, I also had a background in journalism, but I stopped journalism because everybody was sort of mean within that. <laughs> so then I became a teacher where I thought everyone would be nice. Uh-oh. Uh, tell everybody what grade do you teach? <laughs> grade. So, um, you know, Instagram allowed me to draw from sort of that passion that I had for storytelling. Yeah. And I'd always mm -hmm. wondered like what would have happened if I had pursued journalism and not teaching. And so sharing on Instagram, it became this just sort of like fun way to share. What does the inside of this closet look like? What are we doing with yeah. shoes right now? How are we handling hand-me-downs? But I found that people really resonated with one. It was my authenticity to our space I don't know whether it's a, a compliment or not, but people are always like, your spaces just don't look like those perfectly curated spaces on Instagram. Like it's not all white. True. Like it looks, yes. <laughs> it looks lived in. It looks yeah. like a family is there. And so I do mm -hmm. think it as a compliment. Um, yeah. But then two- Because how many square feet are you in? I'm not sure if you mentioned it yet. square feet. 750, wow. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's a railroad style apartment, which is, so it's long and skinny. So it's sort of mm. like a modular single wide trailer. Okay. But they're just in our building. There are six of them. So we're on the third floor. So it's like those are all just stacked on top of each other. And I say that because 
logistically sort of like a modular home. You have to walk from one room into the other. So like we have our living room and kitchen, but then next to it is our playroom. And you have to walk through the playroom to get to my wife into our bedroom. And then mm-hmm. that leads you into the girl's bedroom. So everything okay. is all, it's all shared space. Okay. Um, but people see that we're like trying to problem solve these unique. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then I also found that, as you know, our mental clutter and physical clutter are so interwoven and connected. Yes. And so as I started to share my personal tidying journey of what it's looked like to tidy up the mental health aspect, what it's looked like mm-hmm. to simplify mm-hmm. different areas of my life in order to make other opportunities possible. People really resonated with that. And I feel like mm-hmm. people still come for the tidying tips, but people also come for the, I see you, I hear you, I see what your yes. struggles are, but I yes. see that you aren't complaining about it. I, I view parenthood as a blessing, um, yeah. it's something that I chose to enter into. Um, I love spending time with my girls, but also they're exhausting and it's stressful and it's overwhelming Mm -hmm. and we're trying our best while constantly questioning, are we doing the right thing? And Mm -hmm. I feel like there are so many parallels between that mental clutter and the physical clutter that people feel. And so it's nice to try to intersect that with Tidy Dad. Yeah. And I think life requires so much bandwidth these days, like so much emotional energy into, like you said, decision-making and child rearing and all of this. And so to try and manage all of the physical inventory on top of that, no, none of us can, none of us can. So I'm so glad this correlation between clutter and our mental health is, is coming together in so many different ways now, because so many of us have felt it for so long, but no one was giving us permission. <laughs> to yeah. And I go. feel like it's when with our work, it's like there's this societal storm that really was brewing for many people with COVID and the pandemic, because until mm-hmm. then we weren't forced to actually sit at home and yes, sort of right. reconcile everything that was around us. Like up until that mm-hmm. time, the thought of working remotely even as a teacher. And I remember that day, it was a Friday afternoon and they were like, yeah, we think Monday we're going to go remote, which was also the day that my third daughter was born. So it was this like big storm. But I was like, there is no possible way. And then I was a remote teacher for 17 months. And through that process, we really had to confront a lot of not only just our physical possessions, but it was this reckoning and this questioning of, what do I really want from life? And I still yeah. feel like a couple of years post, you know, that really difficult time, people are still coming to terms with a lot of that mm-hmm. unprocessed trauma that did happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were very fortunate and blessed to have our cottage to go to, you know, in New York City, there was, we lost, you know, many friends ended up moving because mm-hmm. just the demands of small space, it, it just yeah. too much. Um, yeah. And so we have, we've had to sort of like navigate this new. And so I do feel like whether it's minimalism or decluttering or tidying, Mm -hmm. whatever sort of label you want to put on it, I do feel like people are yearning for how do we simplify things? And often that physical process of like clearing a closet and sorting through items, it helps you to hone 
your decision-making abilities that you can then transfer to other areas of your life. Yes. And so there, there are mm-hmm. so many parallels. I agree. I couldn't believe the confidence I gained in myself through the process of decluttering our house. And it was like, oh, I can follow through with things. I can make decisions. And they were good decisions. In the beginning, I worried. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to miss all of this stuff. And then over time, you're like, oh, no, I didn't miss it. And I I am making good decisions. And so I think that's so encouraging. So you're back to school now. Do you keep your classroom really tidy and do other teachers? Teachers are kind of hoarders at heart. They are. are. And so I, yes, I have a very tidy classroom. Um, So I teach seventh grade. I teach math. Um, I have all of these different systems in place. We have this like quadrant system because the students, I have class numbers. So each student is assigned a class number, but then they're also assigned to class a quadrant. So we have quadrants one through four. Everything is numbered and organized because the idea is, is that in any given classroom, we have to really watch traffic flow and patterns and where students are moving. But I'm in a co-taught classroom. Um, I have students with very diverse um, learning needs. It's a co-taught special education classroom. So there are students with individualized education plans, a whole host of different needs. Um, But yet, just like at home, my wife and I are outnumbered. And at school, my co-teacher and I are outnumbered. (laughs) Organizational systems have to allow me to lift some of the mental burden and load that it's very easy for me to carry because it's very easy for me, for students to say, I don't have my workbook, I can't find it. And so I have to train them on, okay, I'm gonna now train you on the strategy that I would use if I were going to look for your workbook. Now you need to go find your workbook using the strategy (laughs) that I've just outlined. Um, And I feel like with, with hoarding, I mean, I, when I was a brand new teacher, I inherited, it's, there's nothing worse than an, being a brand new teacher with nothing and inheriting that teacher who has just retired after like 35 years. You go back and you find papers that are older than you are. And, you know, there with education, there's always an ebb and flow of philosophies. Um, but in general, you don't need materials dating from 1982 all the way up until 2007. You know, like there is, there has to be that way for you to sort and edit. And one of the, my mentor teachers, one of the lasting things that has stuck with me was she taught me very early on. She was like, you know how, you want to know how to keep a tidy classroom? And I was like, what? She was like, whenever you walk from one side of the room to the other, you always put something away. She's like, whenever Mm -hmm. you see me teaching, I always have something in my hand because subconsciously I am moving things back. So if I'm moving from the front of the room and there are materials that need to go away, subconsciously I'm like, okay, I'm taking those pencils, I'm putting them back, I'm putting this book over there. And so that's a strategy that today I continue to do. Like when I am teaching and when I'm moving throughout that room, I am subconsciously, like, or unconsciously, I should say. I mean, I'm, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Things away. Yeah. And the same is true for our homes because yes. we want to talk about pet peeves and going back to what we were talking about at the start is if you have mm-hmm. a partner in your home or if you have a kid in your home that just walks past the thing that needs to be put away, yeah. that is incredibly frustrating. Yes. The foundation of that is a clear organizational system 
that mm-hmm. everyone in the home or everyone in the classroom needs to understand or else mm-hmm. you as the person who designed the system are the one responsible for fully maintaining yes. that system. And that yeah. becomes overwhelming. So whether it's in the home or it's in the classroom, I figured out ways to share the responsibility because I can't do it all. Yeah. That's so good. I, it's, I had learned a phrase one time from a consultant at my previous job, and he would say, it is not an employee problem, it's a management yes. problem. And so we talk about, we joke about that at home because I'm like, have they been fully trained? Do they know that we have this system in our mind? But I'm, I'm so glad that you teach seventh graders and you're very familiar with that age because I think many parents feel like I didn't train my kids well when they were younger. I didn't involve them. And now they're kind of in middle school or high school. And it almost feels like it's too late because they push back hard (laughs) when I try to ask them to do something, right? So what would you say to parents if they have kids that are teens, tweens, teens, how do they start to get them involved if they haven't done so up until this point? I think you have to rip the Band-Aid. And so the example for me is, so I had this student... um, I change seats often. I have a seating chart. It's funny because it's with post-its because it makes it very easy when in the moment, like you have to have control and power. Like my power and my Mm. control is the seating chart. And every two weeks we change seats. And every two weeks for about the first eight weeks of school, I had one student in seventh grade who would throw a near complete temper tantrum because how dare I, Mr. Moore, tell her where her new seat is going to be. And so for about three days, each time, each cycle, and keep in mind, we switch seats every two weeks. So if you count three days of pouting and throwing a temper tantrum, you're really (laughs) only left with seven school days in that seat before the cycle repeats. Um, But she would stand in the corner of the room and she would refuse to stand in her seat or to move to her seat. And I'm like, you know what? It's fine. That's your seat. I'm I'm not giving you a new seat. I'm happy to hear if there is some other sort of like thought and opinion that you have. I want to try to make students happy, but I have reasons why I put students in certain seats. Mm -hmm. How it relates to the question of like, is it too, too far gone? Like you have to rip the bandaid and there are certain things in life where you do not have a choice at school. When you are seventh in seventh grade and you are 12 or 13, I'm sorry, but you do not have a choice about where you sit. And there are times, even with my seven-year-old, almost eight-year-old, that when she gives pushback on, I really don't want to fold the laundry right now. There are times when I say, you know what? I don't really want to fold the laundry either. Like th- there, there are lots yeah. of other things that I would want to do. Yeah. But in our home, we all fold laundry together and we do it mm-hmm. as a family. And we have a choice. We can either complain about it and it's going to take a whole lot longer, or we can just suck it up and we can fold together and then we can (laughs) something else. And so I feel like as parents, you know, especially when working with or or having teenagers, like we obviously want to listen to them. We want Mm -hmm. to teach them ways in which they're going to be able to care for themselves. But I also think that there is a valuable lesson in sometimes you just have to do something because someone is telling you to do something because whether you are in high school or college or you go to that first job, I have been told to do things that I do not want to do. Mm -hmm. You know what? I have to do it because my livelihood depends on it. So I feel like the other sort of caveat with that is 
it's one thing to tell them that they have to do something, but it's another to actually teach them the skills of how to do it. Mm-hmm. Even as teenagers, yeah. you can't yeah. just say, go clean your bathroom or go clean the kitchen. Like, are they going to sure. grab the bottle of bleach? Like, are, right. are they going to grab ammonia and bleach and then mix it together and you're going to have... <laughs> Like, yeah. So that's where it comes back to management, yes, right? Like, that that yeah. is the management piece. Like you have to, yeah. have to think about, have I mm-hmm. equipped them with the skills yeah, developmentally? Mm-hmm. How can I teach them and give them ownership over these different tasks? And yeah. so often it's, especially with little kids, it's, there's a, there's the, I do, there's the, we do, and then there's the, you do. That's and so cool. there has to be that transfer of knowledge that I do is I'm going to teach you how do you clean kitchen counters? Yeah, that's when good. You kitchen counters, you've got to take everything off. Watch me do it. Now the we do is I've got my bottle. You've got your bottle. Like, let's do this together. You do that half of the kitchen. I'll do this half of the kitchen. And then the you do is I need you to go in and clean the kitchen counters for me. Yeah. So I do think it's like that answer. It, it is so layered. Yes. Um, but I do feel like as parents, we pay the bills, we're in control, we are mm-hmm. in charge, yeah. but also have to equip people with the life skills yeah. to be able to go into their future and not be a horrible roommate yeah. or be that <laughs> spouse yeah. or partner yeah. and expect right. the other person to do something. That's so good. And I think we quickly realize our kids are actually a lot more capable and more helpful then we understand. I remember our oldest is 13, but when she was, um, well, she would have been nine, we were watching a YouTube video and it was a mom and a daughter and they were, the daughter was cooking this meal by herself. And, and my oldest was like, well, that's because she's like 10 or 11. And then we looked and the daughter was eight. And all of a sudden she like got up, she's like, let's go. And we went into the kitchen and very soon after that, as soon as it was like, as soon as she knew she was able and I knew she was capable of that, I was like, Oh wow, I had my expectations way off. And now I've realized. Yeah. Well, and that's when it's those moments of stepping in and offering praise and encouragement. And it's not just the good job, but it's like the I noticed how you were able to do X, Y, and Z. And this is how it just like really helped me. Yeah. You know, like th- those are the conversations to have with our kids because it does feel good to be part of a team. Like yeah. it doesn't feel good to be alone or feel like you mm-hmm. are the one doing it all. Just like for kids, it doesn't feel good to have our parents constantly harping on us right. or making us feel bad or shaming us yeah. to doing something. Like we've all we've yes. all been on the receiving end of that. Right. So it is, it's this like, how do we build this teamwork approach? Yes. And also how do we sometimes just have things that are non-negotiables? Yeah, that's really good. And I found, I'm guessing you found this too, as I've decluttered my house and simplified it, now it feels much easier to involve my kids. I remember when they were little and I'd see all of their toys all over the family room and I wouldn't even want to ask them to pick up because I'm like, I'm overwhelmed by it. I'm sure they're overwhelmed by it. It felt like it was too much to ask of them. But now I'm like, well, pick up the toys or they're mine, right? Like it's very easy to ask them to do so. (laughs) Right. But it goes back to, and I talk about this a lot, the differences between tidying and organizing and cleaning because so often all three are lumped together Mm -hmm. as the exact same thing of this whole, like a parent saying to the child, I need you to go clean your room. Like we're not actually asking them. Typically we're not actually asking them to grab the cleaners and the wipes 
and to go and remove signs of like daily living from yeah. their room. What yeah. we're actually asking is, can you please go pick up all of the things that have been thrown on the floor? Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, it's very difficult to tidy if you don't have the organizational system in place mm-hmm. because what the teenager will do or the child will do is they'll just go and stuff everything <laughs> into the drawers <laughs> or in the closet. And then when the parent walks past, they're like, great, you you like, you cleaned up your room. And they're like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and open up the doors or the, you know, the cabinets and everything falls out. Yeah. And so the clearer that we are with mm-hmm. the organizational systems that are in place, mm-hmm. then the clearer we are with what are the routines actually look like for tidying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Making it known that like every like we're on spring break right now. Like we tidy multiple times a day mm-hmm. because if we don't, at the end of the night, this apartment or house looks like a tornado went off because everything's everywhere and it's much easier to have like the incremental. So girls are less like the, Oh, but why do we have to do that right now? They're sort of like, okay, I get it. Like, let's, you know, like I'm not, (laughs) they're not excited about it yet, but still. (laughs) Then the cleaning, because my goodness, when I share myself cleaning on Instagram, particularly in the playroom, the number of people who are like, don't you need to teach your daughters how to clean? And I'm like, okay, they are seven, six, and three. I don't really want them having the cleaners right now. Mm-hmm. But am I teaching them how to tidy? Am I teaching them how to organize their things? Yes. Yeah. Cleaning will come, yeah. but there is a developmental progression to things. Yeah, that's so good. Well, Tyler, this has been awesome. If anyone is looking for more encouragement, more support, um, I will definitely link to your Instagram and also your blog as well. But if anyone's just feeling really overwhelmed right now, where would you recommend that they get started? Yeah, so you've got to start small. And I feel like the place where I always like to start when I'm feeling stressed is I go to my personal closet because Mm. I feel like if I can sort of tidy something that truly belongs to me, that just makes me feel better. And I'm not talking about this full like closet overhaul, but there are little things like making sure that my hangers are all facing the correct way. Sure that my collared shirts that they're like buttoned up. I I fix my like vertical folds of my, <laughs> my shorts yeah. because the idea is is that even when our apartment feels so chaotic, I can open up my little 14 inch wide closet yeah. by six and a half feet tall space and say all of this is mine and there is order in the yeah. midst of chaos. So. That's so just good. A little bit of time in your closet, just make things a little bit tidier, yeah. and you just might feel a little bit better. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're looking for more support, be sure to check out The Minimal Mom on YouTube too. And we'll see you next time.